Welcome to another episode of the official podcast of The Unsexy Startup with your host, Samai Parikh. This is the platform that talks about what it truly takes to build a company and not just the highlights. And a huge thanks to Raj Singh for helping me put this podcast together. On this episode, we have founder and CEO Judd Skoenholtz on to talk about the long-term grind for startups and how to navigate through that long-term process and the benefits of calculating those small wins that eventually add up to the bigger picture. Open Listings helps anyone buy a home without an individual real estate agent. Buyers use their self-service platform to manage the process online with expert support when needed and get back half the commission that would typically go to their agent. Coming from the real estate industry myself, open listings will have a huge impact on how real estate transactions will be completed, saving buyers money and time. Judd, thank you for hopping on the podcast, my man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. So jumping right into the question, Judd. Tell us about your story with Y Combinator and how you transitioned into starting Open Listings. Yeah, so I always wanted to start a company and actually with one of my founders, Alex, him and I went to college together, lived together after college. So it was something we always kind of like toyed around with. And uh, an interesting story, we actually applied to YC in 2006. So (laughs) many years before we actually ended up going through, we were toying around some ideas and early on just sort of threw an application there. So it was funny to think back and maybe wonder what would have been different if we had gone through the program, you know, nine years before, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. So yeah, we always always worked together, always wanted to do projects, but, you know, had full-time jobs and were working on different things. And then fast forward to 2014, both of us individually had bought a home and I think felt convicted enough about a problem that we really wanted to focus full-time and solve it. Uh, and then we got our third co-founder is actually a good friend of mine's little brother. And so he was like an engineer at Amazon who wants to leave his corporate job or as corporate as Amazon could be uh, and uh, join us. So I think I think really the transition was all about timing, like feeling convicted about a problem, having an idea that we wanted to pursue. But it just worked really well for our lives at that time versus, you know, when we applied in 2006, it was like, oh, we liked our jobs. This is kind of fun. We didn't feel convicted enough to really go for it. Um, And yeah, so everything just kind of aligned in 2014 and everybody's ready to go full time and work on something. So so yeah, it kind of like all worked out perfectly, like the stars aligned and uh, something that started you know, just as a project, a side project that we're working on part-time during our other full-time jobs, like blossomed into a full-time thing and then got into YC and it's been uh, an awesome ride ever since. And how has that experience, you know, doing this part-time compared to focusing on it full-time? Because I know a lot of the productivity, a lot of the efforts and results that come from working on something part-time can be really strenuous compared to when you can devote your full focus towards it? Yeah, it's it's such a good question because when you're working on something part-time, you think that you're, you know, giving it all your effort and working 100% and it's as good as it can be, but it's not, it's really not. And I think uh, we believe that and we thought we could kind of get it started well enough just working on it nights and weekends, but it wasn't really until we made that commitment to go full-time. Uh, you need a little bit of the pressure, I think, too, of, you know, not having another job and really forcing yourself to, to do well in this thing. It's not just this other thing, you know, on the side, but it's actually your main gig. So I think, you know, we were doing it on the side and it was going well. We built an iOS app. It was a cool prototype, but it wasn't really until we like forced ourselves to go full time that uh, everything really coalesced. We started gaining traction. We got into YC, kind of just forcing ourselves to do it. I don't know, just be obsessed with something 100 hours a week as opposed to 20 or in spare time. It's just something about that difference and a little bit of that pressure, uh, at least for us, was a total game changer. And since starting Open Listings, Judd, what was the sexiest moment that gave you an emotional rush and why? (laughs) Yeah, so it's funny because, you know, when you say sexiest moment, there's probably like 10 times 
as many unsexy or emotionally negative moments that come to mind to try to find a, a sexy one, uh, at least at our stage uh, in our business. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to figure out. I, I was thinking back and I think all of the emotional rush moments, you know, actually came from when somebody said yes to like a job offer to join the team or even, you know, convincing our third co-founder to join us. So all of the like emotional highs really came from this thought around, wow, this person is willing to risk their like time and career and current job opportunity on our crazy thing. Like that's kind of the sexiest moments so far. Some of the other stuff around like fundraising, like fundraising in of itself is not super sexy and it's really kind of uncelebratory when it's done. But I think the same feeling of, wow, these like really smart, successful, you know, uh, people with a serious track record really want to bet on us or even people like YC, you know, they see thousands of companies. So I think a lot of the emotional highs really came from that like personal acceptance, somebody wanting to join the mission either as you know, an investor or, you know, the 30 people here that are choosing to work here every day, um, super thankful for them. So uh, that's really where the emotional positivity has come from and kind of kept us going. And those are like little wins, you know, somebody joining every month is great. And um, that, that's really where the emotional highs are coming from. And maybe we, we won't get into the uh, emotional lows. Well, you gave these startups an analogy. I remember when we were talking on the phone before about Sisyphus and, uh, how he had to fight his shoulder to roll the rock up the hill, and, and startups are exactly the same scenario. Let's switch to the unsexy real quick. What was the unsexiest moment you had so far rolling that rock up the hill with open listings? It could be anything. Okay, yeah. So this many things come to mind. Come to mind. Uh, so I'd say the the most unsexy thing was really at the beginning of the company when we decided that we were going to actually be the, you know, to have a platform that actually lets you transact, we became a brokerage. And out of me and my two co-founders, I, they're both engineers. I have more of like a product design background. I, you know, drew straws to, to be the real estate agent. So I got my real estate license. I joined our, our brokerage as the first and only agent. So most of the kind of manual struggles were coming from those early days around actually acting like people's real estate agents. So we'd find clients online, we'd work with them with our tools, we'd be building software to make the process easier. But day to day, I was doing a lot of manual real estate agent work. You know, my background is not at all in that. I had gone through the home buying process myself and thought I knew what I knew, but didn't. You, When you get your license, there's not really a lot of training involved. It's pretty like, you know, it's like an online test around vocabulary. It's not really giving you a lot of practical applications. So I had months and months of uh, unsexy moments, you know, uh, showing up for inspections, negotiating, you know, meeting people. I think I did our first 10 transactions. And fortunately enough, we got the business far along you know, enough to bring on somebody with a lot more experience who was our first kind of support and agent hire. And, you know, now uh, almost 100 people, you know, work on our platform as as agents in various capacities. So um, many unsexy moments. But I think thinking back, all of that really gave me and our small team the insight into like what really needed to be built and what type of buyer who our buyers are and what kind of needs they had and you know how to service them so it's kind of a classic you know do things that don't scale get close to your users moment uh by being a real estate agent and um and also a real estate agent with a company that had very little of the software that at least at the time it promised to have to make the process more efficient for buyers because we were just starting out so 
we were definitely glossing over, you know, a lot of a lot of the product that exists today, knowing that we needed to build it, but you know, it obviously wasn't there yet. And even for you know the next year after I stopped being like the direct real estate agent, I could focus more on uh, product and business stuff. Uh, you know, I still was helping out on nights and weekends, answering you know the the telephone line only recently didn't round robin to me, and um, answering customer support stuff. So I think there's. Uh, an infinite number of unsexy kind of manual moments from the early days that just now with the team being as large as it is, uh, are we, am I finally, you know, getting out of? So it, it's interesting you say that you had to take your, your real estate exam first and you know, nothing, you didn't know anything at the time about being a real estate agent. So you had to learn it real fast. Do you feel looking back at it, that those unsexy moments of rolling your sleeve up, doing the heavy lifting, diving into an industry that was somewhat unknown to you from the other side, do you feel like learning that really fast actually helped build the foundation and by listening to the customers as you were acting as a real estate agent that helped build the technology better? Totally. Because I think when we started, we imagined certain things were inefficient, but they weren't really the core problems for, you know, for me as an agent and now for our network of agents. So like one of the first things we started doing was building a system to automate a lot of the paperwork. So I was I was spending, you know, a majority of my time on paperwork and it was, I was making mistakes. Like you're copying information over and over again. Uh, you're trying to do it from your phone. It doesn't work. Like there's all these like terribly hard parts of just like manual effort that just shouldn't be existing in real estate, but still 2017 with almost every traditional agent, they're using these like horrible tools to do it. So, you know, switching our priority to actually build those tools for agents first so that we could respond to clients faster and never make a mistake and make sure everything's sort of clean and bespoke to the situation. I don't think we ever would have figured that out or it would have taken, you know, 10 times as long to figure that type of stuff out if it wasn't my pain point as our agent. Um, and there's a lot of things like that, that I think either it gave us the understanding of, of what it was like to be kind of on both sides or it accelerated that process so much that um, I think it was probably core to, you know, how we got traction in those early days versus, you know, if we just hired an agent or thought we knew what we were doing, or we're just building software along the side, you know, it probably, it probably went to solve core problems. It probably went to taken off. So I guess, you know, that, now that we talk about it, I'm somewhat thankful <laughs> for those, for that experience, even though at the time, you know, you're, it's, it's hard, especially without a lot of experience or, you know, traditional agents start out, they have mentorship, they fit into a team, they get trained, but I kind of fast forwarded or shortcut a lot of those processes and were fended to figure it out myself. Um, which is cool because I think we, you know, we question everything here. We don't like just repeat the normal way of doing things. And one way to do that or replicate that is just throw yourself into it, you know, for better or worse. So that's the, that's the path we took. It, this seems interesting, right? Success businesses are the long-term schlep businesses that really take time to develop. I remember we were talking about as, that as well. Can you dive more into that concept, es especially in an age where people want their startup to succeed in like two or three years and be the next Zuckerberg overnight or something? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, this is an idea from Paul Graham and, and also just applying it to our business was also something that I didn't really realize until somebody had sort of made that comment towards us. So we're like, oh, that is our business. That is cool. And sort of one of our, our values is sort of embracing, embracing the schlep and, uh, you know, the little wins, uh, 1% better each day that comes from that. Well, I, I think a lot of it's also about problem identification. I went back and read that essay after we talked about it. And uh, I think what's cool in it is like Paul Graham's talking about that programmers or people starting companies will like ignore all these core hard problems and focus on these either sexier problems or things that seem, you know, I don't know, on 
trendier or, or whatever, but he has this question there, which is, what problem do I wish someone else would solve for me? And I think that's like a really cool rubric and also exactly how everybody feels about real estate. Everybody knows it's um, shitty. Can I can I say shitty? Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> right, right on. Uh, it's definitely shitty, capital S, but nobody wants to solve it for themselves. So I think we were both you know, naive enough and, uh, I don't know, cavalier enough and felt that pain point having gone through the process that, you know, we just decided to schlep it ourselves. And I, I guess it's just like a long-term mindset that you have to put yourself in knowing that it's a schlep business helped us because then it wasn't like trying to find shortcuts or focusing on like disruption. It was really focusing on, you know, the core things that mattered for, for users and buyers and, and trying to solve them. And that's, that, that ended up being the right strategy for us so far. In the beginning of your venture, did you have this kind of long-term mindset or was it something that you developed over time going into Y Combinator and just rolling your hand, rolling your sleeves up or like, what was that difference between like when you first were like, okay, time to execute on the first task ever for open listings to like now, like you have this long-term mindset now, but did you always have that or did that have to be created? Well, I think it's kind of the opposite with the schlep. Like, you know, it's going to be a long-term thing, but your mindset, it, it sort of allows you to focus your mindset a little more short-term, knowing that it's going to be a bunch of small wins as opposed to something that's going to come out in a year or exist in the future. It allows you to kind of focus really short-term. So I think for the first couple of years for us, we were thinking, you know, one week out, one month out, building a ton, throwing stuff at the wall, throwing in front of users. You know, we built a ton of stuff that either exists today and hasn't really changed or we've gotten rid of or we've, you know, and then you figure out what works. So I think the schlep business is in sort of the unsexy business, maybe realizing it's that it's okay to focus, you know, on the day-to-day stuff. And I think only now, a couple of years later, are we really thinking multiple years out because, you know, we have the luxury to be able to do that and things are working and we have, you know, a different set of problems more around scaling the business and scaling the team than, you know, figuring out what users want. So I think, I think it's a great m- mindset for like product market fit. And at that point, there's really no, no reason to think multiple years out. You got to, you got to figure out what works and what people want and how your product is going to fit into that. In that sense, the, the, short-term or week-to-week or month-to-month mindset and being okay with that schlep is, is you know, what gave us a lot of success or what gave us solace, at least while we were fighting through it. I like how you said that it sort of switched after you guys had a larger runway from, you know, getting more funding and now you're able to think how I can scale this three to five to 10 years out and how that mindset was a little more like, let's just focus on like the next best steps in the beginning. I think a lot of founders do develop that over time. And it's, it's, it's great that you said that on the podcast because it can give a mind frame and a mindset to founders listening that, hey, or anybody listening, hey, let's just think step by step. Let's be really humble and show some humility. And then when it scales up and we do find that product market fit, we're able to think five, 10, 10 year term goal because we have a longer runway and we've proved this thesis out. <laughs> I was going to say, even though, you know, we're a little bit past that stage, even though a lot of the stuff we're doing is still very, you know, very tactical and, and week to week and still all around building our product and finding finding different things there. I think it still is infused, it becomes infused in your culture. So still, you know, our weekly metrics, which is essentially has always been our gauge since the beginning, even when it was just us trying to be like, how do we find two users as opposed to one? Um, that's still like the cadence of our company. We had our weekly meeting today and that's still what we talk about week to week. And we talk about what we accomplished that week. So even if you're thinking longer term horizon, having that quick or like short term wins, uh, iteration, uh, product market fit mindset as you're scaling is still like a super important way to approach, 
even higher level problems. So I think it's kind of important regardless of what stage you're at, but going through it from it just being us to, you know, now being a little more scaled out and different people working on different things, it's it just became infused as part of our culture in a, in a way that I think still benefits us. And just piggybacking on that, you know, startups should have a North Star for their company, regardless of the roadmap of getting there, because that can be unknown. Of course, that can change. How can founders develop a more encouraging mindset while building their venture, even when it's not working, you know, in the, in the beginning stages? Yeah, totally. I don't know if I... Uh, mindset is hard. I mean, I think that I'd say the focus really has to be on what you just said, like figuring out the North Star, really figuring out your mission, bringing on the right people, um, making them focus on really exciting things, getting them close to the customer so they stay motivated. I feel like those are the type of things that are more important. And then... Mind, I don't know. Mindset is like, you know, did I sleep enough? Did I run this morning? Uh, you know, how am I feeling today? Um, how am I, how is everybody feeling together? And do we like working with each other? So I don't know if there's a way to really encourage a positive mindset that I've figured out, but I'd say instead just, you know, focusing on having great people around you on the team, making sure the mission is clear, the vibes are good. All those, all those things is kind of how we've, either gotten to people have a good mindset or at least, you know, faked it long enough to, to feel good working with each other. So. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I have a founder's question. I ask all my founders that hop on this podcast, Judd, what is some advice you would give your younger self six years ago from what you know now and why? Whew. No, it's a, it's a great question and kind of a, an emotional one because I guess six years ago for me is when I, you know, went through the home buying process and really kind of got addicted to this whole thing, you know, got interested in real estate. So, you know, probably it's probably hard to give me advice around that. Just, you know, stay interested in that. But I guess thinking back over stuff since we started the company, the advice would just be take risks and put yourself out there would probably be the best advice I give myself. There hasn't been a time where, you know, I didn't meet with somebody or reach out to somebody or try to build something that even if it didn't work out, we didn't learn something from. So I think that stuff we've regret is when we've moved too slow or didn't try something out or, you know, didn't connect with with somebody who who seemed interesting. So I guess just or it would be around like taking taking more risks, don't wait, um, you know, kind of a maximalist, be more maximalist. So um you know, the worst thing that could happen is something doesn't pan out or you don't get a response or it doesn't go anywhere, but but at least then you've learned and moved forward and have better ideas from there. So, um, you know, don't be scared. Don't be timid. Put yourself out there. Take more risks because I, I can't think of something that we've done in that vein over the last six years that I, I regret. I probably have more regrets around not doing stuff or not moving fast enough. Speaking of risk, like, were you like scared right before you were like, okay, now we're fully getting into open listings? Like you had that kind of like butt twisting uh, feeling? <laughs> it's a good question because like, I guess in a sense, like a lot of the startups and a lot of the companies that go through YC, you know, they tend to be people like right out of school in the early 20s. It's maybe where you're like a little more cavalier, you're able to eat ramen or, or take risks. And, you know, there's there's sort of a good life stage. And then maybe you get progressively more risk averse or more comfortable. But I think for me, like, you know, I, I missed the graduated from college phase. But I, I guess what happened was, you know, I had a great career working uh, in product design and, you know, built a company tangentially there uh, on the agency services side and um, got to work with some amazing people and work on projects. And I think like in a personal life, you know, I was married, uh, I had a child. So I kind of just felt like this was the last, I always wanted to start a company. This was kind of the last thing that I 
really wanted to do. So in a sense, like it's less scary now during our life stage because it was like, well, this is kind of like this major life thing that I really, I really want to accomplish. So in a sense, it was just kind of an inevitability versus I think if I had done it earlier where I felt a little less secure, or maybe I didn't have my lovely wife who's <laughs> he's definitely not listening to this podcast um, <laughs> um so but she really is she really is lovely and amazing and supportive and so um i think just having those things in place kind of made it un- not that scary and it may be the same with you know my my co-founders as well you know being at that life stage where you're able to make that leap so that's the way it was for us i don't know if that's a universal thing but um, it wasn't that scary. It was just kind of like, this is inevitability. The timing's working out. We we really liked working with each other. And somehow to this day, you know, three years later, still like working with each other. So um, no, it wasn't that scary, but maybe earlier or later in life, it, it would have been scary. So I think back to like when we were talking about timing, you know, the timing has to be right. You can't force it. You can't force working with people that you don't want to work with and everything just aligned. And it, it, it actually has been, you know, knock on wood, somewhat smooth ever since. Judd, thank you so much for hopping on the show, my man. No, absolutely. It was so cool. I, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I uh, I tried to drink some coffee and stay caffeinated. That seems to be the, the vibe that everybody on podcast has. So hope I uh, hope I fulfilled that. I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Go Moment and Quake Venture Capital, for helping me put this podcast together. Also, want to thank our new partner, Startup Boost, for supporting the unsexy movement. Startup Boost is a thirty thousand member startup community in New York City, which hosts a variety of events for Series A and Series C tech founders, including mixers, investor nights, and panels. For anyone interested in joining the Startup Boost ecosystem, I'll share the link. If this podcast helped you or you learned something new, please leave an iTunes rating by going to the link I provided below. Until next episode, this is Samai Parikh signing out. Mm-hmm.